Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me, every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Shelley Reed is the author of Go as a River, a novel, She is a fifth-generation Coloradan who lives with her family at 9,000 feet elevation in the Elk Mountains of the Western Slope. Her debut novel, Go as a River, is inspired by her ancestors and the wild landscape where she wanders and wonders. An award-winning senior lecturer at Western Colorado University for nearly three decades, Shelley taught writing, literature, environmental studies, and honors, and was a founder of the Interdisciplinary Environment and Sustainability major, the Prague Study Abroad Program, and a support program for first-generation and at-risk students. She holds a double major honors, BA in English and Journalism, 
from the University of Denver and an MA from Temple University's Graduate Program in Creative Writing and the Temple Rome Seminar in Aesthetics. Shelley was also a Dean's Fellow in the PhD Program in English at the University of Denver, where she studied 19th and 20th century world literature and philosophy. She is currently a board member and writing instructor for Vita Institute for the Arts in the U.S. and Italy. She also conducts writing and literary workshops for the Crested Butte Art Center and is a regular contributor to Crested Butte Magazine and Gunnison Valley Journal. I wonder if she knows my cousin. I have a cousin who lives there named Louisa Naughton, who makes fabulous pottery and lives in Crested Butte. Maybe they know each other. I'll find out after this. Shelley is a mom, mountaineer, world traveler, and friend to small creatures and old dogs. She loves few things more than the first steps of a new adventure and a hot cup of tea after a grand day out. Now that is a great bio. Welcome, Shelley. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your novel, Go as a River. Hi, Zibby. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Can you please tell everybody what your book is about? Yeah. So my book is a novel and it focuses on a young woman named Victoria Nash. When the book opens, it's 1948 and she's a 17-year-old growing up along the banks of the wild Gunnison River on the western slope of the Colorado Rockies. And the novel follows Victoria through her life, a variety of difficult decisions and challenges And, oh, just a lot of really tragic moments in her life that leads her toward digging into herself more deeply and finally kind of understanding her the depth of her strength and her resilience. By the time we end the book, it's in 1971, and Victoria has sort of learned to live her life. She's learned to go as a river, and that's where the title of the book comes from. Oh, it's amazing. And you are like a fourth, fifth generation Coloradoan. Is that I get that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a fifth generation Coloradoan. Yeah, and super proud of that, you know, really very rooted in place as just sort of a fundamental aspect of my being. And I've always loved that, but I've come to realize over time, you know, how rare and special that actually is. I feel like place is one of the key things in your book that differentiates it is how absolutely beautiful and gorgeous and sort of environmentally evocative it is alongside the development of your characters and everything. It's just so beautiful and just to traverse. So (laughs) thank you very much. You know, place and displacement become the primary theme of the book, you know, also home and family where we turn when those are lost and female friendship, motherhood, it touches on a lot of those really fundamental human experiences. But I think because I'm so rooted in place, the novel and Victoria's journey became so rooted in place as well. I love that. Tell me your whole story. Like, let's back up for a minute. (laughs) I know you come from a long line of Coloradoans, but then what? So you were born in Colorado. Well, yeah, I have been had the great fortune to live in a family that loved camping and mountain climbing and being out in the wilderness. It's been really defined my entire life. I've lived my entire adult life at 9,000 feet in the western slope of Colorado Rockies in Gunnison Valley, the same valley where the novel is set. So people who have read the book have a pretty good sense of what my landscape is all around. And I'm so grateful for that. I lived here 
in the high in the mountains starting in college. I grew up on the front range of Colorado, primarily in Colorado Springs, and uh, we're generations of my family, my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my mom and dad, my uncles and aunts, cousins. We all lived there, all nearby each other, which was of great value to me. But as soon as I could choose where I wanted to live, I had family here in the Gunnison Valley. So in 1985, you know, as a sophomore in college at the University of Denver, I started living here in the summers all through college and graduate school. And then I was fortunate enough to get a job teaching at Western Colorado University, fresh out of grad school in 1991. It's in Gunnison. And I've just stayed ever since. And over those 30-some years, this landscape and this place has really become my my homeland. I was a teacher for all of those years. And so the writing journey for me, set out to be a writer as a young woman, taught for almost 30 years, and while I was being a mom and focusing all on all of those things, and I've now come back around to my writing life by finishing this novel. So it's it's been a full circle journey for me in that way. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so amazing. So when did you start this novel? Oh my gosh, you know, it's it's funny. People keep asking me, you know, how long did it take you to write? And I've really had to go back because it was quite a long process of just sort of chipping away at it. You know how it is, you know, being a busy mom, you sort of find time for your creativity. You find time for what matters most to your own soul. Unfortunately, it can be at the bottom of the list. You sort of just find time for it here and there. So I think I chipped away on this novel for at least 12 years or more until I really knew that I needed to clear the space, honor my creative process, honor this book and Victoria's story that I love so much and clear some of the other things out of my life and really focus on finishing it. So I finally did that. I took early retirement from my university in 2018. And ever since then, it's just been a journey of completing the final drafts and getting it out into the world. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Where is your favorite place to write? Oh, uh, in the wilderness. Absolutely. I'm always, I go camping alone a lot. I love to camp with my husband and my kids, of course, but I love to camp alone. It's where I just can clear everything out. And I always have a journal with me. And I I have over years and years written volumes of observations of the natural world. And also we have a generational family cabin that sits on a lake west of here. And I love to write there so much that, you know, a body of this body memory for places that you do certain things in certain places. The minute I walk into our cabin, I want to write. So I think between those two places, those are my favorite places and my most productive places to write. I love that. That's sort of like sense memory, like you're like a rat with the pellets or something. It's exactly that fundamental. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's great. And when you're writing your journals, I'm assuming by hand, do you type your work or do you write everything by hand or how do you do it? Well, you know, because the process of writing Go as a River was so kind of wacky, really, I I don't, people often ask me, what's your writing process? And I was like, well, as a full-time teacher and a mom of young children, my my writing process was snippets anywhere I possibly could. So write post-it notes, jotting down in a notebook, uh, recorded in my phone, whatever. I'm hoping that's not my real writing process now that my kids are older and out of the house. And then I'm actually 
able to sit down and write this second novel, I'm hoping my process is a lot more sane. But <laughs> what I find is that I do a combination of writing, handwriting. I have stacks of spiral notebooks that have both notes and sections of what became Go as a River, as well as many files on my computer. And so I think, honestly, for this novel, for Go as a River, my answer is I wrote just whenever and however I could. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's important to capture ideas when they come to you. Otherwise, I think they can get lost. They can later, hours later, you think, what was that wonderful idea that I had? And it's gone. And I find that so tragic, like so painful. So I'm a jotter. I jot down everywhere and then I piece things together. I think that's my process. (laughs) That's amazing. How old are your kids now? 25 and my youngest just turned 20, which is shocking to me. My baby. (laughs) No, oh, it's it's a beautiful thing, and also kind of wound up with a sense of loss as well. I don't I don't like that they're out of the house. Like, sure, I can write now; that's wonderful. But I'd rather have them screaming through the living room, you know. So, <laughs> you know, the that whole journey of being a mother it really ended up playing more powerfully in my novel than I initially anticipated. And I think that it had something to do with being in that space of watching my children get older and knowing that this moment was coming and and feeling that connection with them so deeply. So, you know, you know, the journey of motherhood is a a new experience every day. (laughs) No, it's, it's interesting how you phrase that, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, well, you know, when they're, when they're all out of the house, I'll be able to blah, 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 you know, but then you forget that that is not necessarily the goal. <laughs> like, and it's going to be so sad. It's like when, when they're not here for extended periods of time and I'm like, okay, it's been a week time, time for them to come back from my ex-husband's, you know, <laughs> try to really kind of dig into some of that in the novel, because this novel for me started as a, a spark of wanting to explore what does it mean to be a woman in the world? Because there are so many of those complexities of wanting to reclaim your and and hold tight to who you feel like you are outside of motherhood. But at the same time, you know, the various characters in my book, they're sort of defined by, by whether they are or are not a mother. I have one character, Inga, who never wanted to be a mother. And there are many layers of where we find family, how we're defined as women, what our possibilities are, And certainly for Victoria in in 1948, when we first meet her, her opportunities, her sense of self, her abilities are incredibly limited by societal constraints and the expectations of the men in her life. And I, I wanted to explore that, how women have to fight a little harder to find and assert themselves in the world outside of the context, outside of the definitions that are created for them. I think that becomes sort of an underlying theme throughout the book. And as we follow Victoria and as she develops a sense of self and as she becomes herself through the novel, it really is about her figuring out her own identity and her own power for herself as opposed to it being defined externally. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So what do your kids think of your book? They're super proud of me and they're they're really excited for me. But you know, if kids have a way of just kind of going about their life of like mom's doing whatever mom's doing and it's like, yeah, hey, mom, hey mom, that's really cool. Can you fix me a sandwich? Yeah. So I think I hope that I'm for any writers who are listening and anyone out there who really needs to be inspired to stick with something. I hope that I've been an inspiration and a model for my kids chipping away at this book that I really believed in for all those years and actually finishing it and actually getting it into the world. I know that they are proud of me for that, but what I hope more than anything is that that has become part of them and their own journey in some way, that they can believe in themselves and their own dreams and say, well, you know, mom made hers happen. I can make mine happen too. I really hope that's one of the legacies for my children of this of this novel, getting out into the world. <laughs> so beautiful. You seem like such a nurturer. Do you cook a lot? Do you like a great, do you love to cook? Do you love to bake? Like, no, no, not really. Okay. All right. <laughs> now that the kids are out of the house, I'd love salad. So i literally just don't cook at all. I've done it for 25 years. If you want food, you can just make it yourself. But I am a nurturer in, in the, the land. I think I carry on some of my ancestors love of the land. And, you know, I come from ranchers and farmers and people who work the land and love the land. And I have a, I live at 9,000 feet elevation, but I have a huge garden, vegetable garden that we that we eat out of for a portion of the year. And I, I nurture, but I nurture in, I think, in different ways. <laughs> Amazing. What is your next novel? Well, I'm, I'm trying to work on that now. Although, <laughs> you know, the publicity side of, re- of releasing a book, it's a very different part of my brain, helping go as a river, get into the world. And I'm on a book tour. I'm kind of midway through it. I've already done, I think, 14 stops or something. Oh, and my I'm, gosh. I'm on my way to a European tour because my novel, it's being translated into 30 languages and published. Oh, my gosh. Plus countries, which I'm so, so, so honored by. I'm so honored. There's clearly something in the various thematic concerns that's resonating broadly. And I'm so grateful for that. And and so I'm really trying to just love this moment of getting this book out in the world. But at the same time, yes, I have a, a you know, these new characters and a new story and a new novel that I'm just itching to really dig into. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting with it. It's it's kind of percolating and I'm, I'm learning. I'm figuring out who these characters are. I've definitely learned for me that character and place are what really drive my interest in a narrative. And so I want to really get to know those aspects of this new book. And then then hopefully it'll all really unfold for me. I love that. Awesome. When you read, what are some of your go-to 
novels or genres or all of that? Yeah, well, I love poetry. I read a lot of poetry, actually. And I I read poetry while I'm writing. It's the thing that kind of bumps me out of writer's block. And I, I really don't read other people's fiction while I'm trying to write my own, you know, because the stories can get muddled. But I'm such a reader. I need to be reading all the time. And so when I'm writing, I read a lot of poetry and I read I read nonfiction. Um, some of my favorite novelists, uh, I love the quiet novels of Marilyn Robinson. She's always been a bit of a hero to me. And, you know, I, my undergraduate degrees, my master's, my PhD work always in literary studies and philosophy. And so I feel like I carry this this huge sort of backpack of of all of these classic works of literature that I've studied really carefully. They've all taught me so much about narrative. I love Virginia Woolf and I love some of the classic 19th century American storytellers. And I, I, you know, I love such a breadth of literature and they're so different. Like I love environmental writing. I, I taught that for many years. And so I can't even begin to tell you every everyone who sort of sits on my shoulders and whispers in my ear as I'm doing my own writing. But then to try to make my own as authentic and honest and true to me as I possibly can. So, yeah, you know, I recently bought a, a new collection of Lucille Clifton's poetry. I've been loving that. And Scott Mamaday collection is from the Kiowa Indigenous tribe called The Death of Sitting Bear. I've been reading that poetry lately. You know, I, I read so broadly that it's hard to sum up, but <laughs> that, I guess, in a nutshell is what I've been reading lately. Excellent. Well, If somebody doesn't know you and there was something that was really surprising about you, like that they might not pick up on right away, what would that be? (laughs) Oh, what would that be? That is a, a very good question. It might be this kind of push and pull that I'm feeling that I that I was just mentioning around being out in the world and being sort of a very public self and being my very quiet self as well. Because I've been a professor for all of these years and I can walk into a classroom and I can smile and teach and engage the class and and I love my students and I, I love, you know, encouraging their ideas. And I'm perfectly comfortable out on this book tour, stepping onto a stage and talking to people. You might not know that what I really love is to actually be left totally alone. (laughs) I love solitude. I love time in the wilderness. I love time in my own mind. I'm actually far more of an introvert maybe than I come across. And so what I find is being a very public self is very exhausting it's really tiring. I can do it, but it's very tiring. When I'm at my happiest is when I'm alone in the wilderness with good hiking shoes and a pen and a notebook. (laughs) I might not come across as that's where I'd really rather be, but that is always where I'd rather be. Yeah. It's so funny. We can like love the same literature and have all of that in common and connect on some levels, but I would not be my happiest in hiking (laughs) in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I would be very happy, like on the couch behind me, you know, reading a book. Or <laughs> also alone, alone. I'm okay with alone, but maybe with somewhere I feel a little safer. Not necessarily with a bear, you know, kind of yeah. looking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> trees. Yeah. Although um, I guess if I knew it as well as you, I don't know. Part of mine is like anxiety in the wilderness of like all the things that can go wrong and, you yeah. know, all the fear. Whereas if I'm at home, I have no fear. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. You know, I tried to 
pull some of that into at the point in the novel when Victoria flees into the wilderness. I didn't want to romanticize being in the wilderness. It's 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 scary for me sometimes as well. It's it's incredibly humbling. Um, it's very vulnerable, but in that way, it's also very instructive. I think that for me, I've learned probably more about life and about life and death and about being my best self and about perspective probably more than anything by being in wild landscapes. And that is not always because I've been entirely comfortable. I've had certainly my fair share of near-death experiences on various mountaintops and whatnot. But I think that the lessons for me, and and I channeled some of those lessons into my character, Victoria, a lot of those lessons is that there's that sense of humility and that sense of something so much grander and more eternal than myself. Really a lot of powerful lessons to be learned there. And because it's been so much a part of my own journey, I wanted it to be part of Victoria's journey as well in the novel. Well, I wish you were my teacher. I would love to take a class. I would love to take a class from you. We offer Zippy classes. If you ever have any interest in teaching it, I would take it. <laughs> That's so kind. Thank you very much. Because I, you know, like I said, I left the university to focus on writing and I do, I do miss it. I, I miss teaching. You should, you should do a class. You could even do it just once, like a workshop on <laughs> writing about place or I don't know, whatever you want to do. Yeah, well, thank but, you. Have, I'll pick you up on that. Okay. You have yeah. such like, a wonderful energy about you. And um, I just love listening to you talk. You talk and it's just so you're a very special woman. You can you can just oh, it just like radiates off of you. Um, <laughs> thank you, Zubi. I appreciate that very, very much. Thank you. That's super kind. It's true. That's true. Anyway, thank you for all of your time. Thank you for Goes River. Congratulations. Good luck with the rest of your amazing tour and congrats on all of your success. Oh, I didn't even mention that it's also in development, as you said, as a as a film, is that right? No, yeah, it is. In development is the phrase that I've been taught to use at this point because, you know, it's all an alien world to me. I've had a huge learning curve about the publishing world, and now I'm on that same learning curve about the film world. But yes, currently there are plans to turn Goes a River into a film, and it's in the very early stages. But I am so excited about that. I've had People say that some of the writing and some of the images that it, that is rather cinematic and that it might translate to film in a rather beautiful way. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to see how that's all going to play out and how that will happen. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I, I am staying tuned. I feel like I'm on a wild ride on this whole thing. It all has far surpassed my expectations. My goal with writing this book was to just tell Victoria's story as best as I possibly could of respect for her. And so the fact that, you know, all of this is happening with the book is really, I'm so grateful. And I'm, I think I'll never stop being so, so kind of shocked and surprised. <laughs> I'm very grateful. And meanwhile, Victoria is a fictitious character. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Okay. I have to remind myself of that. Yeah, I was just I was just confirming that for anybody else who might be getting confused <laughs> yeah. at this point in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. I believe fictitious. Her setting is a real setting, and the yeah. history of Viola, Colorado, is a real history. But yes, Victoria is an entirely fictitious character who, simply because I've lived with her so long and love her so much, I sometimes forget that myself. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, who knows? All these characters everybody makes up who like dance around. I don't know. Maybe they're all living somewhere together, happily, <laughs> happily hanging out in their fictitious world universe or something. Anyway. Okay. Bye, Shelly. Thank you so much. Bye, okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay, 
thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 